Youth Theory is a Southern California lifestyle brand that is on mission to inspire wellness in all. With its line of high-quality, efficacious health and wellness supplements, Youth Theory has developed a product for every stage of life, whether you are looking to enhance your daily beauty routine with a high-quality collagen supplement or looking to enhance your immune system. You Theory has something right for you. From farm to retail shelf, You Theory is also committed to quality sourcing and best-in-class manufacturing practices, as well as giving back to the community. Learn more by visiting online at www.utheory.com. Mention code SAVVY20 and receive 20% off your order during the month of December 2020. Remember, December 2020 only. You Theory made it all for you. Hi, I'm Andrea Donsky, founder of NaturallySavvy.com and co-host of our Naturally Savvy podcast. And I am Lisa Davis, MPH health educator, co-host of Naturally Savvy and author of the book, Cleaning Eating Dirty Sex Memoir Cookbook Healthy Lifestyle Guide. At Naturally Savvy, we are here to help you make healthier lifestyle choices. So we are so honored that you are tuning in to listen to our podcast on a weekly basis. And we are here to engage you, have fun, and help you live your healthiest lifestyle. Now, on to the show. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. My co-host Andrea is away today. So we've got the fantastic Nava Atlas here. We're going to talk about her book and she's the author of numerous books. Today, we're going to talk about plant-powered protein, 125 recipes for using today's amazing meat alternatives. Nava, welcome to Naturally Savvy. So happy to have you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on. I really enjoyed your book. And and in the introduction, uh, I related to something right away. You write about your mother. You didn't like the bland, flavorless dishes my mom, may she rest in peace, made and served. And I thought, oh my gosh, my mom used to make, she would make a pot of chili and she'd put like a teaspoon of chili powder. (laughs) It would taste like nothing. Well, my mom wouldn't put in chili powder either. She would probably put in a teaspoon, half a teaspoon of paprika. That was about as far as she got with spices. (laughs) So talk, take us on your journey a little bit about uh, the food you ate growing up and then what turned you on to veganism? (laughs) Oh, it's been a long journey because I became a vegetarian at 16. I was in high school. That was a long time ago. And Mm -hmm. being a vegetarian was enough to brand me as a weirdo. Oh, yeah. So I spent many years being a weirdo. And then you know, when it came time to be a vegan, it, just, it was very cool. People admired yeah. that. So I've been a vegan now for, let's see, 19 years, going on 20 wow. years. We kind of took that journey. It was almost echoing my growing up. I was the youngest in my family, but I was the first vegetarian. And then my Mm. much older brothers, one became vegetarian, one became vegan, actually a little bit before me. Then when as a family, we had uh, two kids. And as they were growing up, they grew up as vegetarians. And when my son was 10, he declared himself the first vegan. And that followed a field trip we took to a really uh, beautiful and supposedly ethical dairy farm. And I tell you, after we left, we just couldn't go vegan fast enough. Kind of nice as it is, it was not at all like factory farming. It was still, there were still things there, there that we didn't want to see. I'm, I'm glad because I think it's important. I'm, I'm super anti-dairy. I don't get it. I don't understand the whole milk does a body good thing. It's such a bunch of baloney. And uh, it's just sad that people still buy it. I mean, even buy it both literally and figuratively. 
you know, my daughter will be at school and, you know, they have the milk and it kills me. And if she tries to talk to somebody and be like, you know, dairy's actually not good for you. They look at her like she has horns. Think of all the advertising dollars that have gone into it. And I remind people, humans are the only species that drinks the milk of another species. Right. And they're the only species that drink milk after being weaned. So yeah. it's, you know, it's really not a natural food. No, it's really not. And that's why it's so good to have you come on and, and talk about your journey and, and what your cookbook is all about. I, I like this. In the book you write, the recipes in this book feature beefy crumbles, deli slices, chicken style chunks and strips, vegan sausage and lots more. Even a brief introduction to plant-based seafood. Tell us a little bit about plant-based seafood. Now that I haven't heard of yet. That's a new category, but it seems to be growing quickly. There is a, a company, for example, started by two entrepreneurs, uh, the Sarno brothers called Good Catch, and mm. they make plant-based tuna style food. Oh, nice. And I was, I, I was going to say, I'm not sure that it was my favorite thing, but I got to sample plant-based shrimp. Oh. So it's, it, you know, there's a couple of, of uh, photos in the book. It actually looks kind of realistic. Yeah. And, you know, it may not be for me, but it might be for somebody else. And, you know, people have always asked me, well, you know, uh, you know, we just celebrated Thanksgiving celebrating. I, I think this year is probably using the word loosely. Definitely. <laughs> uh, people say, oh, what do you think of, you know, the turkey style plant based? And I've always said, listen, if that's what somebody wants, that's fine with me, because I think it's better than the real thing. If you research how turkeys are are grown for Thanksgiving. It's kind of a nightmare. The reason why I'm okay with it, I mean, maybe I would prefer stuffed squash with quinoa. But people, especially during holidays, they reach back to tradition, they reach back to comfort, they reach back to things that they love during their childhood. And if there's a way to re recreate it at home easily, then I say, why not? Now, what are some of your favorites to use uh, in terms of the, the beefy crumble? Oh, yeah, that's probably the most versatile. And one thing I want to say that was really fun about developing this book is not only having gotten to try some of these, uh, you know, brave new products, but figuring out that you can actually recreate them at home with whole foods. If you want. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah. So, so, for example, this is a little bit of a story. I was really excited about trying. Uh, there's a recipe it's called Korean beef bowls. It's all over the internet. It's very simple. Basically, it's ground beef flavored with teriyaki on rice, and then you decorate it with kimchi and sliced radishes and cucumbers. And I had all the ingredients, or or, or so I thought. <laughs> well, I went to reach for what I thought I was going to have some plant-based ground in the freezer, and I didn't have any. Uh, so I thought, well, you know, I already have everything else. So I'm going to improvise. So I made a teriyaki-flavored ground out of red quinoa, walnuts, and black beans, and it was absolutely delicious. Oh, that's amazing. Because yeah, I think sometimes... People might worry about the if they're over-processed or if it's just something that should be a treat. What are the ingredients in some of these? And in fact, I have an appendix that lists the companies and the products that I use and what they're based off of. And some of them are based just off pea protein, which mm, okay. is pretty benign. It's yeah. fine. Some of the products are really quite processed, and that's when you'd want to use them maybe just as a treat. Like, right. I don't know, the jury is still out on 
isolated soy protein, for example. I don't yeah. think it's bad, but some people might not feel comfortable with it. But a lot of these products are starting to use better ingredients. Um, I'm trying to think, for example, some of them are simply seitan. Yeah. I make my own seitan at home. Obviously, seitan is not for people who are gluten-free because it's right. 100% gluten. So, you know. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't have that. But my daughter loves it. I, I recently, because I was inspired by your book, I was shopping and I saw this seitan and it was Italian flavored. And I thought, oh, I'm, you know, I can make that with, for my husband and my daughter. And they really liked it, you know, and I've made my own tomato sauce and all this stuff. And, you know, what's interesting is I, I told you I have, you know, millennials here. So then if you've been around for a while, they have never, ever tasted meat. But they wow. love, they have always loved the, the you know, meat alternatives. You know, there's just something about them that's really familiar and hot, maybe not familiar to them, but, you know, very hearty and the kind of umami thing. It's very satisfying. So I think it has, does have a broad appeal. And one of the reasons I decided to do this book is because I thought it would be a good bridge for people who are thinking of doing more plant-based meals. But, you know, you remember about 20 years ago, or maybe even maybe even still, there are people who say, oh, I could never be a vegan because I could never give up cheese. Well, I think we've crossed that bridge because vegan cheeses are really good. They're really you good. Even more specific and say, I can never go vegan because I don't want to give up pizza. Well, you know, now you don't have to give up anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's pretty incredible what they have. You know, another thing that uh, is in your book is tempeh. I was... 18 and I was looking for a job and they had this all natural pizza place. They used cashews for the sauce instead of cheese. This was in the 80s. So that was pretty cool. And when I was interviewing, the guy asked me if I knew the difference between tofu and tempeh. And I didn't. And so he didn't hire me, which I'm like, it, it just takes a second. Just tell me I can learn it. And then, but his, he had a partner in the business who did hire me. And I remember he saw me there and I was like, tofu is made from soy milk and tempeh is cultured soy. There, I learned it. I know. <laughs> so every time I hear the word tempeh, I'm 18 again, wondering like, what happened? But it was a great experience. I mean, to be working with the cashew sauce and, and you know, back then, and I thought it tasted better than the cheese. Well, tempeh is an interesting food and it's really high in protein, really good for you, even for people who are a little bit sensitive to soy because it's fermented, it's easier oh, to okay. digest. But I think it definitely is a an acquired taste. Do you, yeah. you obviously have ways to make it taste good. Yeah, I use it in some of my homemade DIY mm -hmm. proteins. Um, in my family, my kids like tempeh and my husband really doesn't. So there's been times where I've made something with tempeh and if you work with it and you know, flavor it and grind it down, then it can be really good. Now, so here's something interesting too. Um, because I really am a Whole Foods fan, I decided that with each recipe as much as I could, I would present how to make it with the meat alternatives that you buy, then how to make it with, usually there's an option for either tofu, tempeh, or seitan, seitan or, you know, all three, or some combination, or one of your homemade. So people can have these familiar, nostalgic foods. They don't want to buy the packaged products. They can do it with the traditional plant proteins or make their own. So yeah, you're so lot impressive. Oh, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to oh, no, say, it, it's so impressive. I mean, you obviously put so much time and energy into this. Oh, thank you. It was, it was fun. I was going to say that 
really, this is not a book I envisioned myself doing because I called myself a salad vegan, but I really, I care deeply, very deeply about animals and I care very deeply about the environment. And as we know, animal agriculture is just disastrous for the environment. And so I thought, you know, this is a way for people, if they're really reluctant to step in, you can be an a climate activist every day if you vote right. with your fork. Let's jump into some of these recipes. You write, I love soups and stews. Uh, I And I love those. In fact, I love them so much that I devoted an entire book to the subject, Vegan Soups and Hearty Stews for All Seasons 2009. I love soups and stews too. So let's walk through a few of these. I love that you have a chick and then there's a apostrophe and chicken noodle soup. Uh, I love Vietnamese pho. I love Tom Kha Gai. You've got wonderful curry. You've got a chicken black bean tortilla soup, Moroccan style chicken soup. I mean, this is great because I definitely in the winter especially being in New England, I need some really good stew recipes. So what are some of your favorites? I'm sure they're all delicious. Oh, but <laughs> <that's funny. laughs> um, You know, I just fell in love with a Tom Kha guy about mm. a year ago in the before times. So before really, times, yeah. <laughs> it was really fun to be able to recreate it at home and it's really quite easy. And then with a the chicken noodle soup, it's interesting because I've always claimed that oh, I don't really use meat substitutes. I don't veganize, you know, meaty foods. And I totally, I'm totally wrong about that because I've been making this chicken noodle soup for years. And I think it's because, you know, my mom's wasn't great, but it reminds me of my mom. Right. So that's why I make it. So oh, that's really yeah, nice. that's my nostalgic favorite and the Tom Kagai is my kind of new world favorite. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. This sausage potato and escarole. Is that how you say that? Escarole yeah. soup. That's a type of green, correct? Okay, that looks really good too. And the pictures are beautiful. Well, I have to give credit to my photographer, Hannah Kaminsky, mm. who is, she's still very young. I've been working for, with her for many years. And she just did a, I, I just think a spectacular job with these photos. Some of them are truly uncanny. They're gorgeous. Yeah. It's really, really nice. Mm. I'm going to have to make this Tom Ka guy. Now, if somebody wanted to just leave out, let's say if, you know, if you have a recipe that has, you know, the, the seitan or something that has gluten in it, they could just not put the meat substitute in, right? Or they can make it the other way that you mentioned that might use something right. they can you have know, like I, tofu I, or okay. know, tofu goes with just about everything. Yeah. If mm -hmm. you have a well flavored dish, it'll take on the flavor. And, and also let's not forget about baked tofu, which is a great oh. product because it comes out of the package and it's not, um, you know, mushy or watery. It has a, that kind of chewy texture, really a great stand in for anything that's kind of chickeny. So I yeah. think that is a, as a, an option in many of these recipes as well. Well, well I love too, like you were saying, maybe someone's craving something from their childhood. Let's say your mom or dad or loved one made meatloaf. You have a classic meatloaf. And it, it's just nice to have that familiarity and that those memories are so significant. The meatloaf is, I have a version of that on my website. And I kid you not, I have 10 to 12,000 people coming to look at that each and every month. Oh my gosh. So something about meatloaf that people crave. And it's interesting too, with this recipe, I've made it with Beyond and it's absolutely delicious. Oh, great. But there's also a version of it to make with red beans and walnuts. 
the taste mm. is almost the same. That sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, that's an, uh, I've made it both ways. And, you know, I, I like it. I really like it both ways. It's slightly different, but because you're using the same seasonings and tomato sauce and, you know, barbecue spice, it comes mm. out very similarly. So I have a, a story about tofu. It's so versatile that... In the 90s, my boyfriend was a really good chef. I mean, I could come home from work and there'd be like a block of tofu, a piece of, you know, celery and a carrot. And I'd be like, there's nothing to eat. And he'd like whip it into something amazing. So he had these friends that were like, I will not try tofu under any circumstances. So we invited him over for dinner. He had a pasta maker. He made homemade ravioli, used tofu instead. And they, and like ground it up. So it was like ricotta and he's, oh, they had no idea and they flip and loved it. And he was like, ha, it's tofu. <laughs> yeah, I have a similar story with somebody actually from, from that uh, meatloaf, the beyond meatloaf on my website, a woman yeah. commented that she just made it for her husband and she did not say anything. She didn't say it's not meat. He loved it. And she still didn't say anything. So I, thought, yeah, I think that's smart actually. <laughs> Very excited to see this recipe. I love lentils, a smoky lentils and sausage with yellow rice. That looks really good. That oh was actually one of the first recipes I developed for this. Oh. Book. Yeah, that's one of the things that the, the sausage, you know, there's an expression, you don't want to know how the sausage gets made, but basically, yeah. <laughs> sausage is made of uh, usually tofu and seitan. So it's mm, okay. You can't have, yeah. but um, it's really hard to make vegan sausage without the seitan because that's what gives it that kind of chewy texture right but yeah yeah it's nice all right now in chapter three you have protein powered pastas and oh my god i used to love beefy mushroom stroganoff my mom didn't make it i'm trying to figure out where i even had it as a kid because somehow i think of it i'm like oh my god it's so delicious it must have been at a friend's house or something that looks really really good as well and I'm looking, so you use uh, extra virgin olive oil or vegan butter. And I'm wondering, does that, what what causes the cream? Oh, there it is, unsweetened plant-based milk. Okay, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Is there one that you prefer for, uh, like, a, one that you find cream? You're like, I find cashew milk very creamy. Or that might be too sweet. What do you I think? like cashew milk. I Lately, I really do like oat milk a lot. It's oh, okay. thick and creamy. And it's also, I think it's cheaper and better for the environment than tree nuts it takes nice. a lot less water oh, to grow. Interesting. So yeah, it's almost exclusively oat milk recently okay i but bought my daughter an oat milk uh strawberry yogurt and she liked it it was a little more runny than oh. you know or, or not as thick i should say uh but she liked it because i'm always trying i've tried the almond milk one i've tried the oat milk, <laughs> i mean the cashew milk yogurt I've tried, and she never likes it but this one she was like yeah so oh, yeah. I'll have to try the oat milk. Yeah, I, I think of the vegan veganized products. I don't know that vegan yogurt has quite arrived yet. Yeah, it doesn't so, seem like it. There's a thickener yeah. missing. There's yeah. yeah, I think it's better if you want to put in a smoothie. Because like if you're a texture person, and like I right. said, I hate the word runny. I have to say it, but it is a little bit. So yeah. I think if you can uh, put in a smoothie and make it thicker that way. Another thing that I love that my husband used to make hasn't years is pasta bolognese. That's very rich. The regular one. This I'm going to have to try. This looks for them. This oh, looks really yeah. good. This is you know this is an easy one because it's with the ground. And then as you can see, I have the option for the walnut grain and mushroom crumbles, which are also oh, very nice. easy to make. Oh great! Um, do you I, have a preference, or do you just like to go back and forth of which one you like better? 
either the how lazy I'm feeling quite a bit. yeah <laughs> if I'm lazy it's the prepared kind if I have a little bit more time and energy I I do like making the DIY actually I've become a really good satan maker I really making my own I make a big batch and in fact I I just made it a few days ago and then I'll take half of it and put it in the freezer then I'm always happy to come across it but oh, that's great. when you buy satan it could be great or it could be kind of shoe leathery if you know what i mean mm-hmm. oh no you may not because you said you're well you, my daughter like they liked it so yeah. maybe we got a good one yeah I'm not sure now another thing that just makes me go holy cow i haven't yeah, smoky broccoli and bacon mac and cheese okay i haven't had mac and cheese in years oh, oh my god that looks really good I, I love that you have from the asian takeout menu uh, you know, I, if somebody were to ask me, and often people do, what is your absolute favorite? Re- they, I get asked this a lot. Yeah. About, What's your favorite recipe? It's really hard to decide. Someone is like, like, which is your favorite child? Right. <laughs> but if I had to pick, if I had to pick a favorite recipe from this book, it would be the Pad CU on page 91. Oh, okay. Let me go to that. Because I just love Pad CU and I, I'm amazed at how much this really tastes like the kind that you get from really, yeah. And the the rice noodles, I discovered that you can buy them prepackaged, kind of semi cooked, right? Cooked. Oh, I haven't seen that. Rice noodles, they end up either sticking or falling apart. There must be a, a real art to it. And this was a real game changer for me these pre-cooked rice noodles. I've never seen and, that. Well, you know, I I'll have to look around. I, they're fairly new. And I got them at, the, at my nat- local natural food store. And I don't live okay. in a really, I live in a smallish town. Okay. So, um, yeah, this is just a dish that I, I really love. And when you go out, one of the other things is when you go out and you get takeout for a family of four or five, it ends mm-hmm. up costing a fortune. Yes, it does. It really does. And, and you don't get, sometimes you don't get all that much food. So this is why I like trying to recreate these and, you know, going out in the before times or ordering in uh, Asian is absolutely my favorite. So that's why I have a special chapter devoted to from the Asian takeout menu. Cause I really just love that style of cooking and eating. And one, one thing I do want to say too, is about developing these recipes. I wanted to make sure that, all of them, most of them at least, have a lot of vegetables and yes. they're good foods as well. There's grains, beans, all kinds of vegetables, so that it really does become a cross between you know, a bridge from the standard American diet where you have one vegetable on the plate to the whole foods plant-based diet where you know, you know your, your whole diet is really based off of vegetables. So. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, my favorite is Mexican. And so you've got carne asada tacos. So talk to us about these carne asada uh, tacos. They look so good. Let's see. So steak style plant protein. This is just something that, you know, people can find by consulting the appendix in the back who makes the plant protein. You can see also, you can see who not only who makes it, but what the protein is based off of. So let's say you have a sensitivity to soy, you can see which companies make it out of pea protein or something else. If you're, you know, obviously if you're avoiding gluten, you could see that you can try to find a brand without gluten. So um, carne asada is... In its original form, it's grilled steak 
that's then flavored with citrus and spices. It's actually oh very, very simple. So in this case, we just load it into tacos with the usual suspects, <laughs> tomatoes, cilantro. It's similarly with a, oh, I keep going back to the carne asada fries. I think I am going to make this for dinner <laughs> because I have, I have most everything right now, including some fresh jalapenos. So with the carne asada fries is one of those weird recipes that shouldn't really work, but does. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, Canadian poutine, they have this dish where it's French fries smothered in gravy. And you thought, oh, my oh, God. I've heard of that. Yeah. Terrible. But it's actually not. So I vegan as well. But the carne asada fries is, uh, and it I, was invented somewhere, I don't know, maybe Texas. And it's one of those dishes that spread nationwide. I had it up here in the Northeast. Oh. So it's basically fries. And here I use sweet potato fries. Mm. And then you put the uh, the vegan carne asada on top of that. And then you put the fresh tomatoes and guacamole Ooh. and vegan sour cream on top of that. And it just, it, you know, it sounds weird, but it looks good. And it really oh, is. It sounds it's delicious. Those things that people just kind of breathe in. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really good. And speaking of looking good, in chapter eight, you've got breakfast and brunch. And so you've got some great things, tofu bacon or sausage. You've got a spicy chorizo tofu scramble. I love, I love that chorizo. Fla- I love the, the seasoning they put in that. That is really good. Biscuits with sausage and gravy, tofu quiche with bacon or lox. Now, how do they do the lox? Is that from the plant-based seafood or is that from like yeah, a from the, yeah, from the plant-based seafood? Oh, um, I, I tried it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was going to say I can probably live without that. But again, sometimes it's for the nostalgia and fun factor. Right. Oh, but I noticed you skipped right past the salad chapter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really one of my favorites. I oh, I'm to- so sorry. You know, oh, I have to, let me let the audience know that I have this, I don't have the hard copy. They're sending it. Thank God. Oh, right, I can't right. wait. Oh, I have the PDF. And so oh, I, I'm, I somehow I scrolled too fast. Cause I was wondering, I was like, I know there was salads. I looked through this last night. Yeah. All right, let's go back to the salads. We'll go back to the salads because, you know, I say that it's it is one of my favorite things to make uh-huh. and eat and I thought oh no I'm not going to be able to make a do a salad chapter for this book and then I thought wait a second this is America meat is in everything and so, <laughs> yeah, so this ended up being one of my favorites and one of the most really most beautiful to look at was the teriyaki chicken salad Mm. Uh, page uh there's a, a full page spread that hannah did that it's just it looks like a rainbow it is just Ooh, so beautiful yeah and i had because i did this book under a rather tight deadline i decided one day last fall to do a testing party where i just invited people from my town and my relatives and everybody to come and i would make just a bunch of these things oh, all wow around. and so the big hit of the day actually was this Thai inspired beefy salad mm. salad. It was really like everybody, most everybody said that of all the things I made and I probably made at least a dozen things. Oh, wow. That just got that disappeared so quickly. People just love that. Uh, the um, also, I think it's with the steak style strips or right. I, I also made it the other day again, but with seitan and that's mm. with all kinds of citrus and cilantro. It's actually pretty simple. 
Oh, salads look amazing. They're they're really, yeah, the, you know, Cobb salad, of course, that's an American classic that uses both plant-based chicken and plant-based tuna or something Mm -hmm. like it. And Mm -hmm. oh yeah. And bacon. So this is a typical American type of thing where you have at least two different kinds of protein. Right. The vegan version is also really good. And I, I just love also just composing a salad on a large platter. It makes everybody want to eat it. Yeah, and, that's true. And another one, you know, I, I also I love sushi, but I don't feel like bothering with the rolling and the cutting at home. So right. this became sort of a thing, deconstructed sushi bowls, where you have the ingredients of sushi, like the vinegar, the slightly sweet vinegar rice, mm-hmm. the favorite sushi vegetables like avocado, carrot, cucumber, sesame seeds, and the plant-based tuna. And you eat it as a, you know, I guess you could call it a salad. It's a bowl. It's yeah. also kind of a salad because you're eating it, but it could be a main dish because the protein is there. Right. Yeah. So now we can go to the breakfast and brunch. All right. Breakfast. <laughs> Well, one of the things that was a surprise for me, because I'm not a Southern girl, I like mm. the biscuits with sausage gravy. <laughs> it, it, was, it was so comforting. And this is one of the last ones. Uh, Hannah and I actually, we work remotely mostly, but she was visiting the East Coast. So for the last ones and the DIY type recipes, we got together and made these things. And, you know, I just tell you, there was something about that biscuits with sausage gravy that was so very good. And, you know, even though I'm not a Southern girl, I've always really liked grits. I did travel through the South many, many years ago, and I kind of fell in love with grits at the time. And I've really liked them ever since. And even when my kids were very small, just cheese grits and, you know, or plant-based cheese grits after we went vegan and a big Mm -hmm. plate of broccoli, and they were quite happy. Yeah, that would make me happy. That sounds great. I do want to jump into the DIY plant proteins. This is something that I'm going to definitely look at. You've got some tempeh uh, and mushroom chorizo, walnut grain and mushroom crumbles. So you have the different different things that you can do, especially if like you're trying to avoid gluten and things like that. I've gotten good at making seitan and I make that pretty oh. regularly. Um, and I do with I do make some of the grounds, all of them really. I, I would say I like the, so there's several ground type of recipes. There's four. Right. One of them is tempeh and walnut. Another one is tempeh mush and mushroom, and it's kind of a chorizo. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Chorizo. Oh, chorizo. And then yeah. one made with walnut grains and mushrooms and finally the teriyaki favorite flavored ground and that one has a variation where you can make meatballs out of it teriyaki oh, nice so yeah i do like those and i i feel like i make those pretty regularly because i don't often remember even to buy the ground once in a while you know maybe once a month i'll buy the beyond ground almost as a treat it's it is still expensive and people have asked me about that some of them are really quite well priced but other mm. ones I feel like they are going to come down when it becomes um, when when it it's um, you know when they can make more and the person can come down. This is interesting. I just decided almost last minute, crazy easy chickpea chicken. Mm. It's like a chopped and sautéed chickpeas. It's really very little to it, but it has that feel to it. Of a oh, nice! Chicken. I love chickpeas. Yeah, I love falafel. 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, talk about economical. Yeah, I like, too, that you have that appendix, the plant-based protein options and brands. That's really great. And that way, because people can look it up. I've seen these. I've seen Field Roast. I've seen Dr. Prager. I've seen Gardein. Some of these I'd never heard of before. There are so many companies, and there's going to be more and more. These are probably just the major ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2000. Oh my gosh, I was going to say 2019 or 18, there was a plant-based world expo at the Javits Center in New York City. And so much of it was about this kind of shift to plant-based meat-like proteins. And between that and the IPO of last year of Beyond Meat, it just has really exploded on the scene. And some of these are just so creative and thoughtfully done and to be honest, I mean, it's been many, many years since I've eaten meat, and some of them, to me, don't taste what I remember meat to, right. to taste like. It's more yeah. of the texture and the feel to it. Because I think that if it tasted like meat, I wouldn't like it. I didn't right. like meat. That's why I gave it up. <laughs> but there's just something about you know the, the the texture and the way it gives dishes just such heft. Yeah, and makes people want to eat them. <laughs> yeah, these companies are doing an amazing job. Now, what about when you have a sweet tooth? What do you like to go to? That's interesting because my last interview before this one, and this is very early on because the book isn't even publishing till the end of the month, it was from really being broadcast from Spain. And they said, oh, well, wow. what desserts? And I said, well, I couldn't think of any desserts that were based on meat. So no desserts in this book. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm just curious to, though. And, you know, what my, you my, my go-to dessert is I just like a good piece of chocolate. I'm not a big baker. I love to cook. Uh, I only like baking. And I've never made anything fancy like, you know, cupcakes with those really swirly toppings. And so, yeah, you know, give me a good piece of chocolate and I'm happy. Yep, that's how I am. You are delightful. Nava, this was so much fun. People would like to uh, get in touch with me or see what else I do. They can either just Google my name. But don't go to my previous website. Go to my current one, which is theveganatlas.com. And I also run a really big website about women's classic literature called Literary Ladies Guide. That's wonderful. I'm a professional nerd. I love that. (laughs) I love nerds. That's great. I'm a major nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so awesome that you have this passion for health and for veganism. And then you have another passion for women's literature. That's fantastic. I do this podcast and then I do a podcast called Active Allyship. It's more than a hashtag teaching people about anti-racism and how important it is that we come together. This has been so much fun. I'm so excited to, to dive into the book. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time. You Theory is a Southern California lifestyle brand that is on mission to inspire wellness in all. With its line of high quality, efficacious health and wellness supplements, You Theory has developed a product for every stage of life. Whether you are looking to enhance your daily beauty routine with a high quality collagen supplement or looking to enhance your immune system. 
U Theory has something right for you. From farm to retail shelf, U Theory is also committed to quality sourcing and best in class manufacturing practices, as well as giving back to the community. Learn more by visiting online at www.utheory.com. Mention code SAVVY20 and receive 20% off your order during the month of December 2020. Remember, December 2020 only. U Theory made it all for you.